Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for a Congregation at Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer Around God's Word. It is, what day is it? It's Friday, May 7th, 2021. Um, And again, it's so good to have you with us uh, as we continue our catechesis through the book of 1 Samuel. Today we hear Samuel's um, address at the royal coronation of Saul. So I see Karen checked in there. Uh, Don't know. Some of our normal attendees haven't checked in yet, but uh, I'm sure they'll join us shortly. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. Yeah, Gus and Eileen checked in. They're watching on the YouTube. Look at that. And Don and Karen are on the Facebook. Okay. Say our memory verse for this week. Psalm 110 verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Psalm 110, verse 1. And our psalm for this week, Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, All mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I noticed something uh, when we were reciting this in chapel on Wednesday. It's right here in verse 8 and 9. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. You see what happens? Now you can walk because he's delivered you from death 
um, your eyes from tears, but your feet from stumbling. So now you can walk, you see, through his deliverance. I thought that was cool. Maybe it's obvious, but uh, uh, it caught my attention anyway. All right, our first reading today is a continuation of St. John's first epistle in chapter 2. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk, just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already uh, shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is already shining. Excuse me, I already did that. He who is He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. It's interesting. Um, that the way that uh, New King James typesets verses 12 through 14 as if, as if it's almost like poetry, right? Or, um, or maybe even a hymn. All right. Our reading for catechesis then is from 1 Samuel chapter 12. Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you said to me, and have made a king over you. And now here is the king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed, or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. And then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, 
who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hasor, into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned, because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hand of the enemies, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel, Baden, Zephna, or Zephna, that's a hard one, Zephtha, there we go, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of the enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came out against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord God, the Lord your God, was your king. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen, and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord, and serve him, and obey his voice, and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you, and it will be against your fathers. Now therefore, Stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain, that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart, and do not turn aside. For then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and right and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. All right, so uh, let's do some catechesis on the text. What did Samuel announce he had done for Israel? Yeah, right there in uh, verse 1, he had listened to their voice and uh, made them a king, or set a king over them. Um, It's interesting. How does Samuel describe himself? Old and (laughs) gray-headed. So we've actually seen the whole arc of Samuel, haven't we? Yeah, because we started when he was a little kid, uh, just a few weeks ago. Who were the witnesses against Israel? Well, actually, before we do that, what what does Samuel call Israel to do? Um, He says, yeah, it's really here in verse 3, witness before the Lord and before his anointed, right? To testify against Samuel if he had done anything wrong. Now, remember, Samuel is not only the priest, but he's also the judge, right? So he's as close to a king as they have, um, not really in an office of king, but he is there as judge, to judge God's word. 
apply it to their life. Yeah, who are the witnesses that they're going to witness against? The Lord and his anointed, right? Um, this language of testify, 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 what sort of language would you say that is? That's the kind of language that you would hear in a judicial setting, right? A courtroom to witness, to testify, right? It's that language. So he's making a legal case here. Now Samuel himself presents uh, evidence, you know. I mean, he does say, the Lord witness against you and is anointed this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And of course they say, he is witness, right? So we agree. But look at what he says in verse 7. He's presenting evidence now. Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord. Here's the evidence concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and to your fathers, right? So we have uh, what they're asking for this king, right? And then now Mo, or excuse me, Samuel is testifying against them uh, with the salvation of, of the Lord, that they don't need a king. And how, how can he demonstrate that? Look at what the Lord has done for you without a king, right? Without that office. All the righteous acts performed by the Lord for Israel and their fathers. Of course, how did the Lord rescue his people from Egypt when they cried for help? The Lord sent Moses and Aaron, right? Brought them out of Egypt. What did Israel do when they gotten into the land? Verse 9, they had forgotten the Lord, right? They forgot the Lord. And how did the Lord cause them to remember? The Lord, you know, he doesn't abide by us being that forgetful, um, but uh, his discipline is severe. Yeah, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, who was the commander of the army of Hatsor in the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, who all fought against them. All right. And finally then, verse 10, we see this pattern over and over. The people confess, right? We have sinned and we have forsaken the Lord. Right. What deliverers did um, the Lord send? Here's their names. Jerubbabel, Baal, I should say, Baden, Zephthah, and Samuel. Right? What did the people want? And we just heard this yesterday, I think, when they saw Nahash, the serpent, attacking. Oh yes, give us a king to rule over us. Again, why is this a sin? This thing that they ask for. I mean, the Lord loves to hear our prayers, right? Yeah, but be careful what you ask for. <laughs> In this case, they're asking for someone else to be um, their Lord, other than the Lord God. God is our king. What warning did Samuel give? Here's the king you want. The Lord has set the king over you. And then there's the warning in verse 14. If you do not obey the voice of the Lord, if you rebel against his commands, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and against your fathers. Right? This is true whether you have a king or a Caesar or a governor or a mayor or um, you live in a democratic republic, whatever it is, if you... <laughs> Do not listen to the word of the Lord. If you do not obey the voice of the Lord and rebel against the commandment, the hand of the Lord will be against you, right? regardless of the secular government you have. Um, but note, this is very key here. What's the problem with them asking for a king? The people actually finally get it uh, after Samuel ruins the harvest with the thunder and rain, right? because it should be dry. He's going to ruin that wheat harvest, um, which I think the farmers would understand, right? We don't want malted wheat. <laughs> um, they confess, right? And they say, we have 
we have added to the sins of evil for asking a king for ourselves. Why? Because it's a sin against the first commandment. Right? They think they're just asking for a secular king, but they're actually asking for another god. And um, I've been trying to provide that kind of diagnostic for you in various ways and preaching, teaching, uh, maybe even Facebook posts to show you um, the kind of idolatry that the state has uh, demanded and, and that we've actually, in some cases, willingly given to them where they serve in the place of God, um, actually contrary to God's word and will. Right? And we, uh, we must obey God rather than men. What did Samuel call the people then to do in verse 20? Notice they repent, and then he says, do not fear. Right? Yes, they realize the evil thing that they've done in their heart um, and in the eyes of the Lord and asking for a king. So, And even as they will now receive a king, what, what are they to do here? Is to return to the Lord, right, with their heart and to serve him, um, even though they were wicked by demanding um, this king. Right? Yes, they'll have to suffer the consequence of, of their demand, right? Um, they'll learn the hard way why they didn't actually want a secular king, an earthly king. But, on the other hand, um, there's, always the, there's always gospel, right? The Lord's still there. He's still your Lord God. Um, serve him. Serve him without fear. What did he say about useless idols and empty things? This is really important here. Let's see if I'm just trying to find it here. Where was that quote? Yeah, useless idols and empty things. Oh, it's right here in verse 21. That cannot deliver and profit because they are nothing. That is, they don't do any good. Um, you might even say they're dead, right? We had that in the psalm last week, Psalm 115, 115 right? With uh, that they have eyes but do not see, ears but do not hear, uh, feet but do not walk, etc. Why would the Lord not reject his people? This is key, right here in verse 23. The Lord will not forsake his people. Why? For his name's sake, because that's who he is. <laughs> not because of who they are, but because of who he is. Right? He is their creator. He is pleased to make them his own people. So happy you have internet now too, Chris. Okay. Um, what were the people to consider? Just like Samuel had testified against them, they are to actually keep that testimony uh, near to them, right? What had the Lord done for them? Yeah, remember the great, consider the great things that he has done for you, right? Um, this is why uh, the only way to actually have your faith oriented um, towards God um, rightly is to continually hear the testimony of his word. Um, faith without, there is no such thing as, as um, trust in God or faith in God, faith in Christ without the hearing of his word, regular and consistent hearing of his word. That's what we're doing right now. We're actually learning and we're seeing how God has continually, um, say, patient or persistent with us, even despite our own wickedness, right? Um, which, which is, if, for me, it's highly encouraging, right? Um, but if we didn't hear that story today, this story from Samuel, hmm, we might become discouraged and think that God has forsaken us or forgotten us or that he doesn't, he isn't long-suffering. All right. Let's see. Um, what would happen if they persisted in evil, though? There's always the but. <laughs> there it is. If you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you 
and your king. Ouch. All right, we'll see that actually play out in the life of Saul um, as we look at that in the next the next week or so. The preaching of the church is always the message of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. This preaching is in the language of the courtroom as it announces the verdict of the law and the gospel. The law always accuses and condemns us. The gospel always acquits of sin and remits punishment. In the face of the testimony of the law, the testimony of the gospel is given in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Though the law condemns us, our advocate Jesus pleads for us with his blood as the true king of Israel. The evidence the church proclaims to the world is that Jesus suffered and died for the sins of the world and rose on the third day for our justification. We have been declared righteous for the sake of Christ, the Anointed One. The Father has given us a king who saves us from the serpent even though we frequently long to return to the serpent's rule. The Lord has made us his own by marking us with his name in the waters of holy baptism. For the sake of his name, the Lord will not reject us, but calls us to remember the great things he has done for us. How's that? Right. So we see all sorts of patterns and types, shadows of, of Christ and his um, true kingship of us here in the text. So we're always paying attention for that. So maybe um, the people here are a negative example, <laughs> not an example of true faith, although we see repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It's right there. It's the whole message of the church. Okay. Let's confess our catechism for this week to parents. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6, verse 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3. We pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us the gift of children who are to be brought up in the training and instruction of the gospel of your Son. Give to all Christian fathers and mothers the strength and will to teach the word of God to their children and to see this responsibility as their most important duty. Deliver them from, their temp- from the temptation to abandon this sacred trust. Grant them faithfulness in their calling as parents that they might love and care for their children even as you love and care for them in Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, grant your grace in Christ to all Christian children, that they might honor their parents in spite of their failings, and enjoy a long and blessed life according to your will. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. On this Friday, we pray for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted, for the sick and dying. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help us, good Lord, by the mystery of your holy incarnation, by your holy nativity, by your baptism, fasting, and temptation, by your agony and bloody sweat, by your cross and passion, by your precious death and burial, by your glorious resurrection and ascension, and by the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray this day in Thanksgiving with Kim and Arthur, who both rejoice in the gift of their baptism. Also with uh, candidate Paul Marks and candidate Robert Schrader, both um, being ordained and installed into our circuit. 
We also pray with Aaron, who continues to rejoice in the gift of healing. Pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Jeremy, Kelsey, Amanda, Roy, John, and Timothy, Janice, Sandy, Linda, Ken, Penny, and Blair. Our homebound, Bev, David, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey. And our mission of the month, Lutherans for Life, and our mission for this circuit, Sheboygan County Hispanic Outreach. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray the collect for this week. O God, you make the minds of your faithful to be of one will. Grant that we may love what you have commanded and desire what you promise, that among the many changes of this world our hearts may be fixed where true joy is found. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Today is the commemoration of C.F.W. Walther, um, theologian, Carl Ferdinand Wilhelm Walther, the father of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, immigrated from Saxony, Germany with other Lutherans in 1839 and settled in Missouri. He served as pastor of several congregations in St. Louis, founded Concordia Seminary, and in 1847 was instrumental in the formation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, then called the Evangelische Lutherische Synod von uh, Missouri, Ohio und Unteren Staten. I just did it in German for you. Why not? Uh, Walther served as the Synod's first president from 1847 to 1850, and again from 1864 to 1878. Uh, Walther worked tirelessly to promote confessional Lutheranism, or excuse me, confessional Lutheran teaching and doctrinal agreement among all Lutherans in the United States. He was a prolific writer and speaker, and among his most influential works are Kirche und Amt, that's church and ministry, and also the proper distinction between law and gospel. Right? Both are, I would say, essential reading for any um, aspiring Lutheran uh, or even amateur Lutheran theologian. Both are, are quite uh, readily accessible and readable and also, um, I think, relevant. Here's a reading from Walther. Arise, you Lutherans of America, arise. Let us use the glorious freedom that we taste here in America to, to the end that the old banner of confession which in our old fatherland lay in musty ruin, be hoisted here again. And let us gather around this banner as a faithful and courageous people of confession. Let us renew today the old oath of loyalty that we Lutherans have recited already at our confirmation. Let our teachers in church and school be sworn to that oath. Let us examine and correct everything which we hear and read next to God's word according to this confession. Finally, let us only work and fight in rank and file with those who are prepared to follow this banner. The storms of the world and the false brothers may rain upon us. They may not rend asunder our banner, but only more fully and broadly unfurl it before the eyes of the world. In the old world, my brothers, it is evident that the sum, the sun, I should say, which once rose in Augsburg and upon the Bergen cloister, the sun of the pure gospel, its setting. Many true Lutherans in the old world look with longing and hope to our young American Lutheran church, which, though it is small, is free. And because she is free, she is, before others, called to salvage and rescue the pure gospel here in the new world in these last times, that holy relic entrusted to our church. O arise, arise, American Lutheran Zion, and let there be light. You, her watchmen, forward, lay hold the holy banner and hold it high, and swing it joyously. 
All of you, you children of this Zion, man and wife, old and young, follow those who show themselves true bearers of the flag. O take heart and be joyful. The Lord, who is a God of truth, is with us. By that sign we shall conquer, though all powers of darkness and midnight hour plot against us and rise against us on the battlefield. The battle will rage hot and even hotter. Finally, we, persistent to the end, and grant this to us, Jesus Christ, thou leader in the fight, we will be taken in triumph into the congregation above to the eternal festival of jubilation. Amen. Wow, that's almost a little revivalistic. Way to go, Walter. (laughs) All right, let us pray. Almighty God, through your servant, CFW Walther, you brought Lutheran pilgrims from Germany to confess the true faith. May the priesthood of your saints now receive the gospel of a crucified and risen Savior in faith as they offer back to you in love sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. For you live and reign with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week, stanzas one and two, at the Lamb's High Feast we sing. So good to have you with us all here today for our congregation of prayer. Again, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's word. Come to you each morning at about 9 a.m. Central Time. So, yep, you're welcome, Don and Eileen. I guess my mother's there. Tim, Michael, 
Uh, Karen, good to have you all. You can join us again tomorrow, Saturday, 9 a.m. We uh, do something a little bit different on Saturday. We look forward to Sunday's readings so that we're better prepared to hear God's word and the preaching. This Sunday being the Sunday of Christian prayer. So we'll hear um, quite a few themes on that topic. So we'll talk about prayer tomorrow and uh, Sunday. All right. So Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. And we'll see you again tomorrow.